morning, friends. <laughs> good evening, friends. How is everybody? So good to be with you tonight, this Monday, Thursday. I want to invite you, if you haven't already, um, there are sermon notes if you want to follow along with those tonight. We are here um, on Monday, Thursday to uh, remember that last night that Jesus spent with his disciples. And what a night that was. He gave us three really big things uh, as Christians to live into, to remember. One of those was he washed the disciples' feet. And he did that setting a precedent for them and all of his believers to take a humble stance in service through intimacy and vulnerability. He instituted the Lord's Supper, uh, at which we will be taking part in tonight together. Remembering the grace we are offered through the blood that he shed and the body that was broken. And we'll remember the great spirit, the Holy Spirit, that connects us together as a family in God. And then he gave the great commandment in John 13, 34. Love one another as I have loved you. Tonight, however, we're going to look at this last night in a different angle. An angle that, unfortunately, had to happen. It had to happen in order for all of the things to fall in the play, into place for the death of Jesus and his resurrection. But it's an angle that we remember as one that shows the worst of humanity. And so let us look at verses John, uh, at John chapter 13, verses 18 through 30. I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen. But it is to fulfill the scripture, the one who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I tell you this now before it occurs, so that when it does occur, you may believe that I am he. Very truly, I tell you, whoever receives one whom I send receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. After saying this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and declared, Very truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me. One of his disciples, the one whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter therefore motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So while reclining next to Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is the one to whom I give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. So when he had dipped the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, son of Simon Iscariot. After he received the piece of bread, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, Do quickly what you are going to do. Now no one at the table knew why he had said this to him. Some thought that because Judas had the common purse, Jesus was telling him, Buy what we need for the festival, or that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the piece of bread, he immediately went out, and it was night. Amen for this word. So I want to spend a little bit of time talking about Judas Iscariot. I'll tell you, I've become very fascinated with him this week. He's been a character that I've just sort of kept an arm length from. But God has revealed him in a new way to me, and I hope that what I share tonight, what God has shared with me, will be uh, fulfilling for all of us. I think it's important for us to get to know him a little bit better, even though he's known as the bad guy, as the villain, as the traitor, as the one who betrayed Jesus, the one who loved him so. And we don't know a lot about Judas Iscariot. We don't even know where Iscariot means. There's not a lot of consensus on, on what that is. Now, it could mean it was from the area that he was from. And if that's the case, he was from this red area you'll see here, Kerioth. You'll also notice this is in the south. So that would mean he was the only disciple who was from the south. The rest of them would have been from the north in Galilee. 
If that's the case, some people speculate maybe he always felt like an outsider, like he never fully belonged. Iscariot could also mean, however, that he was part of Sicari. Now, what that is, is it was a, a group of zealous Jews who believed that there would be a Messiah, but that Messiah would come with a military force, overtake the Roman Empire, and restore Jewish independence. And so there's speculation that maybe Judas turned Jesus over because he realized Jesus wasn't going to be that military Messiah. Some more things that we know about Judas is that he was good with money. He loved money, probably. He, he had the common purse. He was the treasurer for the disciples. But in John, it, he actually lets us know that he stole from the common purse. And we also know in Matthew that when he turned over Jesus to the officials, that he was paid in return 30 pieces of silver. He was assaulted by Satan. We know of three times that Satan entered him, and I'm sure there were countless more times that the Gospels didn't capture. He was remorseful after he turned Jesus over. So remorseful, he went back to the chief priest, tried to return the money. He didn't want it anymore. He says in Matthew 27, 4, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. The chief priest didn't want the money back either. So we don't want that money. It's blood money. So he throws it on the ground in the temple, and he leaves and takes his life by hanging himself. There are also more things we need to know about Judas. He was one of the 12 disciples. He was handpicked by Jesus to follow him, to be a part of the inner circle, and by doing that, he left everything behind to follow Jesus, to be a disciple. He was close to Jesus. He was a friend, a confidant, an intimate member who heard Jesus' teaching, who experienced his, his miracles, who saw him heal, who saw his divinity. We also know he had the same authority as Jesus. Jesus gave the disciples, all of them, the authority to go out, cast demons, heal the sick, and proclaim the gospel. And so we know he did. And he was also loved. Jesus loved him, and so did the disciples. We heard in verse 12 where it says, After saying this, Jesus was troubled in spirit. And declared, very truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me. Jesus was deeply hurt because he knew his friend, someone he had loved, would have to do this terrible deed of handing him over. And the disciples loved and trusted him. I mean, Jesus had said up to this point three times that one of you is going to betray me. And not one time did they go, what's going to be Judas? We know it's that guy. They never said that. They kept questioning, it can't be me. It can't be me. They always looked inward at themselves. No one ever thought it could be Judas, that it could be someone else. And they didn't know it until they saw Judas in the garden handing Jesus over to the officials. Now, I wanted to spend some time on Judas and on these things, because I think it's important to know a little bit more about him, to know a little bit more about his story, his past, even though we don't know a lot about it, and his life. There's one thing for sure about Judas, is he's easy to judge. It's so easy for us to blame him. He's the scapegoat. He's the one that did this to Jesus. He's the betrayer. He is the traitor. It blows our mind that someone could turn their back on the Messiah, someone who was so close to him, who experienced him, who had intimate conversations with God himself, who touched him, 
And it's easy for us to think, I would have never, ever done that. Never. I would have never done that. But friends, we don't see as Jesus sees. The disciples didn't see as Jesus sees. Judas talked the talk. Judas walked the walk. But his heart did not beat for Jesus. He had missed the whole point. Even after he felt remorse, after he, had, he knew he had sinned, instead of seeking Jesus out, instead of going to God, he went to the chief priest to try to give the money back. He still hadn't got it. He witnessed, he saw, he participated, he took part in, but he never believed. And Judas shouldn't be someone that we hate or that we point the finger at or even ignore. But he is someone we should be curious about. We should ask questions about. We should look at his life and go, God, what are you trying to teach me about my own life? What is there that I can learn from this man? Yes, Judas missed the boat. But he also played a key part in God's plan of Jesus' death and resurrection. He played an important part in God's story and so he plays an important part in ours as well. His story provides us an opportunity to examine our own hearts, to look inward, to see if there has really been change. Judas shows us that we either give everything to Jesus or we give nothing to Jesus. There is no middle ground. Jesus calls for us to completely give ourselves up to him, to fully surrender ourselves to his control, thus allowing God to have control over our lives. We pick up our crosses and we follow him, which means we die to ourselves and we live in the light of who Christ is in our lives. If we aren't doing that, then we too are missing the boat. And the hard truth about Judas in the light of our stories is any one of us could have been Judas. We wonder and we ask the question all the time, why do bad things happen? Sometimes we get so frustrated, we go, why does God keep allowing bad things to happen? But friends, there is good and bad in all of us. There is good in us because humankind is created in God's image. So we each have a part of God in us. We have good in us. But we are also born with a sinful nature. We are capable of evil and bad things. But when we surrender our lives over to God and we turn over, we turn away from that sinful nature, which has to happen every single day, some days, every single minute, every single hour, just to get us through the day so that we feel close to God. Until we do that, until we fully turn ourselves over, we will never fully experience the good that is in us that will glorify God, that will reveal his love and his goodness in us. Judas never fully believed that. I kind of have to think that maybe there were moments that he did when he was casting out demons or healing someone or proclaiming the gospel, which he did. I have to think at some point he went, maybe this Jesus guy is who he says he is. But it didn't stick 
but Judas continued to go through the motions. He continued to play the part as disciple. And so the hard question that we ask ourselves, are we? We attend church, we sing songs, we pray, we read the Bible, maybe we're even a smart part of a small group. But have we felt an incredible, overwhelming transformation of our hearts? Have our thoughts changed? Have our motivations changed? When no one is around, when no one is looking, who are we truly? When Jesus looks at our hearts, what does he see? Our hearts are weak, they're tempted, and they're fragile. One bad or hurtful experience or one harsh word, and we're one step closer to making a decision, making a choice that could break the heart of God. In a few minutes, we're going to invite you to examine your hearts. We want you to ask the question, is there anything holding you back from full surrender to Jesus? What sin in your life what struggle do you have? Maybe one you know about. Maybe one you've been in denial about that God is going to reveal to you right now. What sin in your life is keeping you from full submission to God? As we journey to the cross with Jesus, let's allow the truth that his divine love can overcome any human roadblock when we hand our roadblocks over to him. Judas handed Jesus over to the Jewish leadership when what he really should have done was handed himself over to Jesus. Jesus' love, his divine love, can overcome any sin, any human fault, feeling of unworthiness, selfishness, any lies that we have told ourselves or that the world has told us, any temptation the enemy can throw our way. His divine love has conquered death. Now let's make the decision or affirm our decision to allow his love to conquer us so that we can live full grace-filled lives in the light of his resurrection and the salvation he offers.